0: Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. My sincere thanks to listeners and those who have liked, subscribed, and commented. Your interest is noticed and deeply appreciated. Before I get to today's topic, I'd like to invite you to comment about what you're curious about or topics you would like to hear about. As I think about what topics to cover in this podcast, sometimes I come up with topics that are probably deeper dives than my audience may be interested in. I don't wanna overlook subjects you are interested in hearing more about, so please let me know what you would like me to cover or questions you would like to hear answered. Today's topic is something that every Aikidoka gets exposed to and must establish their own perspective on, and that is pain. There is quite a bit on this subject, so let's get into the many considerations when sorting it out. First off, I'm sure every Aikidoka out there has experienced pain when some techniques are applied to them. Joint locks, in particular, can be very painful. We've all experienced both ends of the technique, applying and receiving a little too much force. I notice this the most with beginning students who feel the power of a joint lock and think that they must use strength to apply it. Initially, they use extra force because they don't have the positions down quite right. When the position is off a bit, applying strength can make the joint lock work. They get used to using a certain level of force to apply the technique. Then after they practice for a while, they start getting better position and their joint locks get painful. This can happen instantly when they suddenly discover the joint lock position that's right on the money. Since they're still using the strength and force they were previously using with technique that wasn't quite as good, Uke can experience a very painful lock. It is not unusual to have a sore joint or muscle tissue for days after this happens. It is far better to approach joint locks gently and work on the positioning, gently increasing the intensity rather than trying to put a joint lock on hard and having to calm it down as your technique improves. If you don't do this, you will probably see a lot of injuries. Joint locks are precision tools and should be practiced as such. Don't rush them or try to power through them. Build the accuracy and the power will come through good position. Joint locks are all about control. On the subject of control, we get to the heart of what a joint lock is and what the goal is. Joint locks are often taught as pain compliance techniques, which is to say that you cause someone pain and that pain makes them move away or halt their action. There is some validity to this approach and it works on the base level of the human instinct to avoid pain call it the hand on the hot stove effect you don't have to think too much about removing your hand from a hot stove you just do it and you don't want to put your hand back onto it this same effect works on a human interaction level and in particular with bullies we see this with kids all the time as they test their boundaries with others a bully starts picking on a target and the target shoves or hits them back and the bully gets the message to leave them alone. Sometimes all it takes is sending a clear message with a bit of pain that you're not to be messed with. This tends to work a majority of the time, but there are some times when it doesn't. The times that it doesn't can get ugly, really ugly. What the hand on the hot stove scenario lacks is the full human emotion element. There is no anger or rage between the person and the stove. The person doesn't feel deep humiliation and is not directly competing with the stove over their ego. When one person vents their anger towards another person, there's a lot more going on between the two of them. Things that affect how pain is perceived and what reactions you can expect. These are things which you will not encounter in dojo training, and they're all based on mindset. If you're dealing with another person, introducing pain is viewed as an escalation. Maybe it started with heated words, and then maybe some hands-on contact, then a shove, then a punch, for example. Heated words may not seem painful, but they are where the escalation often begins. Being berated, provoked, humiliated, or embarrassed are all types of emotional pain and can be a major step towards climbing the violence ladder. An old Irish proverb, many a time a man's mouth broke his nose. When tempers flare, physical pain is not as useful a tool as it is when you're in a calm mindset, such as when you're training with people that you like and trust. In a calm mindset, pain and even merely discomfort are something you can back away from very quickly. Without the emotional investment in not being overcome by an aggressor, it's easy to back away from pain. Things are vastly different when you stand in defiance of having pain or injury applied to you. At that point, pain becomes a motivator. If you apply it, chances are it will serve only to add more rage to somebody who's already angry. That said, pain is only a tool. The judgment about when it is appropriate or when applying pain would work successfully is yours and yours alone. All the factors that play into assessing whether administering pain will be successful are extremely difficult to train in a dojo. In fact, I'd say they are impossible. The best you can do is understand the tool well enough so that you can make a good call when the time comes. There are a couple of notable physical factors at play here. First, someone might have a very high pain tolerance or be stronger than they look. You might think that you can get a solid joint lock and apply pain only to realize you underestimated your ability or their toughness one of the worst things you can do is underestimate your opponent second and this is a huge difference between dojo training and reality are the effects of adrenaline males can drop adrenaline into their system in less than a second or two and adrenaline has profound effects on the body one of them is that it increases pain tolerance the human body is such a well-developed self-protection system that it can start introducing adrenaline prior to physical altercation, such as when heated words start going back and forth. Your body could be preparing you to fight and the adrenaline will give you more strength, greater immunity to pain, and other benefits to help you survive a fight. It's not all good either, as it starts shutting off judgment, hearing, memory, and fine motor skills. If you are seeing this happen in someone, realize that merely causing them pain is likely not going to do much you're going to need to get away from them or put them down. This is like dealing with somebody in berserk mode. And once somebody is in that mode, forget about negotiating or getting pain compliance. You could break their arm or leg and they would still keep their rage on. At that point, you need to control their body. Doing so through applying pain will not be productive. This is where the throws of Aikido come in very handy. Pain compliance relies on getting a voluntary reaction where uke agrees to move away from the pain. A throw does not require voluntary reaction. A good throw blends with Uke's movement, but the end result is they hit the ground. With many throws, you can end up with Uke's arm, wrist, or leg, and are in a position to pin them. When you do, the issue of applying pain comes up once again. Here's where we can take a valuable lesson from violence professionals who have had to control enraged people. Note that pinning each other in class is a far different experience than pinning an enraged person. Pros will tell you that applying pain in a pin should only be done surgically. The overall goal is to immobilize the body so that it cannot get free. If you do so without applying pain, the person can be controlled and will often calm down. If they don't calm down, you apply a brief pulse of pain and then let it up. Usually you will tell them something like, hey, I don't want to hurt you, so calm down. If you don't calm down, you're going to get hurt, or something similar to that. This is the process of inviting them to de-escalate and calm themselves. They can only do that when you show them that you can hurt them, but you are choosing not to. From a training perspective, this means that we must fully understand both how to control and how to cause pain without causing injury. This is important to understand that pain is along a spectrum. There's discomfort, low-level pain, higher-level pain, and injury. A good martial artist knows this spectrum well and uses good judgment in where he needs to go on it based on the circumstances that he or she is faced with. It's easy to think of all the dojo situations we are in, where going past the low level of pain is inappropriate. This is true and makes sense when you're not dealing with highly charged emotions or the will to truly do harm to one another. Again, from the violence professional world, I'll share a story from a bouncer who came from a jiu-jitsu background. He was dealing with a belligerent drunk who just wasn't calming down. When he finally realized the drunk was escalating and refusing to leave the bar, The bouncer applied a smooth throw that was so subtle the drunk thought he just fell down accidentally. The drunk then got up and continued on his poor behavior. That served as a lesson to the bouncer that a really smooth and subtle throw is sometimes not enough. He realized he needed to make it clear to the drunk he was being outmatched. The bouncer referred to this as an AI or attitude interrupter. This might be a small amount of pain or not, but the drunk must realize what is happening. It's not an accident and that it's not gonna go well for him to continue climbing the violence ladder. Note that dealing with a belligerent drunk is far different than dealing with a full-on rage. Although, significant alcohol consumption can also dull pain. If it were me, I'd much rather deal with a belligerent drunk than a sober person in a rage. The drunk is far easier to manipulate, although they can be extremely unpredictable. Since we should not explore causing high level pain and injury to training partners, I believe the solution is to focus on controlling the body through the skeleton. Joint locks can do this. In my opinion though, joint locks are mostly for lower intensity violence than higher intensity. The exception for me would be Roku or an arm lock, which I really like for being an extremely powerful lock that lets you control the whole body. Sankyo or the vertical forearm twist is a pretty good one too. When it comes to pins, putting your weight into Uke's body is the key. Pinning their head down is fantastic, not only for holding them to the floor, but also serves as a good attitude interrupter. Pain is an integral part of fighting and martial arts. Your understanding is not complete until you have a full comprehension of what pain is in all its different forms and levels and how to apply it with control. Understanding these things serve as the foundation of your judgment and making wise choices of when to apply them. As I asked at the beginning of this podcast, please let me know what topics you're interested in hearing me cover. Please share your ideas in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. You can also go to the Facebook group Aikido The Martial Side and post a comment. Your input and engagement helps podcasts like these stay around. Please support it by liking, subscribing, and sharing. Enjoy your training.